Welcome to an inspiring message from Pastor John Cameron, lead pastor of Arise Church in New Zealand. We know this message will encourage, inspire, and empower you. If you're taking notes, you could entitle this message, Come, O Breath. Come, O Breath. Ezekiel chapter 37 and verse 1. The Lord took hold of me, is the prophet. And I was carried away by the Spirit of the Lord to a valley filled with bones. He led me all around among the bones that covered the valley floor. They were scattered everywhere across the ground and were completely dried out. Then He asked me, Son of man, can these bones become living people again? O Sovereign Lord, I replied, you alone know the answer to that. Then He said to me, speak a message, speak a prophetic message to these bones and say, dry bones, listen to the Word of the Lord. This is what the Sovereign Lord says, look, I am going to put breath into you and make you live again. I will put flesh and muscles on you and cover you with skin. I will put breath into you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I spoke the message just as He told me. And suddenly as I spoke, there was a rattling noise all across the valley. The bones of each body came together and attached themselves as complete skeletons. Then as I watched, muscles and flesh formed over the bones. Uh, Then skin formed to cover their bodies, but they still had no breath in them. Then He said to me, speak a message, a prophetic message to the winds, Son of Man. Speak a prophetic message and say, This is what the Sovereign Lord says. Come, O breath. Come, O breath. Come, O breath. From these four winds, breathe into these dead bones so they may live again. So I spoke the message as He commanded me and breath came into their bodies and they all came to to life and stood to their feet, a great army. Then He said to me, Son of man, these bones represent the people of Israel. They are saying, they are saying, we are have become old, dry bones. All hope is gone and our nation is finished. Therefore prophesy to them and say, this is what the Sovereign Lord says. O my people, I will open your graves of exile. Your graves of exile. And I will cause you to rise again. Then I will bring you back to the land of Israel. And when this happens, O my people, you will know that I am the Lord. I will put my Spirit in you and you will live again and return to your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and I have done what I said. Yes, the Lord has spoken. Father, I pray that in these next few minutes you take this passage and that you'd cause your breath to blow, to breathe, to fill every heart and every soul. Believe you've got wonderful things for your people. I believe you're wanting to work miracles. There's some people in this room and they're saying all kinds of things about themselves, their life and their destiny. Would you prophesy? Would you prophesy life in this place? Hope in this room. God, God, awaken a mighty army in this place tonight. In Jesus' Name. And everybody said, Amen, amen, amen. Thank you, Shahan. you're awesome. My daughter Lara started high school last year. Now this is gonna cost me five bucks, by the way. But my daughter Lara started high school last year. And 
apart from, the, that's probably the worst thing that's ever happened to me in my life, by the way, is that I had to let her leave my house, leave my neighbourhood and go a bit further off to school. My daughter started school and it was like the worst thing I could ever imagine, but the cloud had a silver lining. And the silver lining is that her school is half an hour away from our house, which means I get to take her to school, which means that for half an hour every day, I get to spend time with my beautiful princess. I love it so much. We're driving to school every morning. We do all kinds of things. She plays DJ. We play all kinds of things. And, and I quickly realised that we've got this half an hour window and we better make sure we're using it really well. So I created a game. It's called Bible Trivia. And we started at the first term of last year, true story. And all year I've been teaching her different facts and little nerd things about the Bible. I'm pretty sure she knows more Bible trivia than her life group leader. And it got to the stage where by the fourth term, by the fourth term of the year, I decided we needed to do something different. So we decided we were gonna do Old Testament overview. This is true. I'm just not making this up. So during term four, I taught my daughter an overview of the Old Testament. She went head to head with her mother and beat her just the other day, which is just absolutely awesome. I thought it might be fun at the start of this message to teach what I've been teaching Lara to you. How about that? Would you like that? Okay, first thing you need to know is that there are, Jillian's really competitive, by the way. She's pretty dark with me right now. I'm going over to the fun side. Are you guys with me? Are you happy? Are you happy that a youth beat an old person? I think of up to $30 by now. She's, she keeps a running tally. 39 books in the Old Testament. 39 books in the Old Testament. The 39 books in the Old Testament are divided into three categories. The first category is historic books, and there are 17 of them. 17 historic books, followed by five poetic books, beginning in Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and the Song of Solomon. This is followed by another group of 17, and they are the prophetic books. We've got historic, poetic, and prophetic. In the first group of 17 books in the Bible, the, the historic section, the first five were written by Moses, Genesis to Deuteronomy, and they tell the story of creation all the way through to when Israel entered the Promised Land the land of Israel. The next group is 12, 12 books. And the first nine of those 12 tell the story of Israel in the promised land, beginning with Joshua 1, when they crossed the Jordan River and the next hundreds of years as they dwelt in the promised land. During the time that they were in the promised land, they began to sin and God said to them, if you sin, then this promised land will spit you out. I need you to know tonight, just at the beginning of this message, that God has spoken promise over our lives. He has promises for us, blessing for us. He loves us. And the only way we can ever live outside of His promise is when we allow our own folly to draw us from it. And then there are three remaining books written while Israel was in exile because of their sin. Then we've got the middle five and then we've got another group of 17. Then the first group in the, first, in the final group of 17 is five books known as the major prophets. The major prophets are followed by 12 that are the minor prophets. In the minor prophets, we've got an initial group of nine that were written while Israel was in the promised land. The final three were written while Israel were in exile. 
So you've got to get this. We've got a, a group of 17 historic books, five written by Moses. This is nerd fact, but this is for free. Then we've got five written by Moses. Then we've got 12 written in the promised land. The first nine while they were living there and three once they went into exile. Then we've got 17 prophetic books. The first five of the major prophets, nine minor prophets written while they're in the promised land. The final three written while they were in exile. The Bible is full of symmetry and, and typology and laying precept upon precept and thing upon thing. And I want you to know that God began the journey of Israel all the way back in Genesis chapter 12. When we're reading tonight, we're reading from the book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel is in the major prophets. And maybe you've read the book of Ezekiel before. Maybe you haven't. But in these major prophets, there are five. The first two of the major prophets, Isaiah and Jeremiah, writ their stories. They gave their prophecies while Israel was living in the promised land. The middle of the major prophets is called Lamentations or the Lament. And it tells the story of Israel going into exile. Because of their sin, Israel had known such blessing, such great abundance. But then literally, Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonian army came down, put hooks in their noses and led them into captivity. And the book of Lamentations is them telling the story of that journey from Israel to Babylon. They, they, they wrote that passage, by the rivers of Babylon, where we lay down. That's where we wept as we remembered Zion. The first of the two major prophets after the exile, that's when the next two are written, is the book of Ezekiel, our passage for tonight. All right, and we're gonna go all the way back to the beginning because the journey of Israel actually begins in Genesis chapter 12 when God spoke to a man by the name of Abraham. You remember Abraham? God said to him, if you'll leave your people, your father's family, go to the land to which I will show you. I'll make you into a great nation. I love the fact that our faith begins with the story of a man who was given a promise and a calling from God. And when anybody still to this very day discovers a real and living faith in Jesus. Isn't it amazing to note God might speak to you firstly about your past, but then He's gonna fill your life with promise. Have you found that? You come to God and He awakens you to more, to a life that is greater, to a promise for your tomorrow. That's the God that we worship. Can I get a little amen this evening? Abraham, then he had a son called Isaac, then he had a son called Jacob. Jacob had 12 kids, finally got busy. One of them was Joseph. Remember Joseph went down into, into Egypt and then the family tribe followed him down there. For the next 400 years, Israel lived in the land of Egypt as slaves. A, a great contrast because every day they would get up and they would work and their work produced no benefit for them. Everything they bought in went to their Egyptian masters. Then they would worship. And when they worshiped, they were told that they were God's children. They would work and they were told they were nothing. They would worship and they were told they were God's people. They would work and they would be treated as the lowest of the low. And then they would worship and God would say, I've got a promise for you and a plan for you. Never think for a moment that your time of worship is redundant time. Whenever I see a believer disengaged in worship, I see a believer that is missing out on the fullness of that identity that God has for you. 
Oh, anybody with me tonight? That when you come into God's presence, you feel alive, full, you have a purpose, you have a destiny, there's a reason why you're here. Every Christian should live with a a, a dichotomy between your daily experience and your worship experience because it is that that is the real you. And it's God's calling us to live higher, to live bigger, and to go further with the life that He has for us. Are you with me tonight? Then we find after 400 years in slavery that God raised up Moses. Remember Moses? He led the Israelites from their captivity in Egypt out into the wilderness and then Joshua took them into the promised land. They are now living in a land that God has been preparing for them for 690 years. In that land, God blessed them more than they could ever imagine. A land that flowed with milk and honey. I mean, literally a land of abundance, a land of blessing. They increased, they prospered until eventually David became their king. When David was their king, he was a warrior one day and a worshiper the next day. Every man in this room needs to know that you'll never find greater strength in your life than you do when you become a worshiper. Never think that worship is for sissies and that fighting is only for real men. If you want real character, if you want real fighting power, if you want real strength in your life, then get the one who is the source of all strength deep on the inside of your life. David, this worshiper yet warrior, led Israel in battle and extended their borders until they finally were inhabitants of the entire promise. They literally walked in abundance and in blessing and in favour. David was an amazing king. Solomon is the next king. When Solomon became king, he did so well at the start. He made gold so commonplace that it was thought of as nothing. He he built abundance. He built great palaces. He walked in incredible favour. And then his heart began to distance from God. The next period of Israel's history is extremely sad. As the God who had prospered them and the God who had blessed them now becomes forgotten to them. Friends, in this room, never ever forget that far more important in your life than the things God gives you is the one who gave it to you. We need a generation like Job who said, naked I came in here, naked I'm gonna leave here. It doesn't matter what I've got or what I don't have. In every season of my life, I'm gonna be a praiser of the Most High God. We need to empty our heart of everything and fill it up with only Him. We need to make a decision over our lives that no possession will rule me, no thing will ever define me, and no material good will ever cause me to backslide away from the One who gave it to me. If you're a lover of Jesus, can you just have a pause and give Him some praise in this place? Come Come on. Because of their sin, God raised up these prophets, these prophets, these prophets, these prophets. They came, Isaiah, and they said, turn from your sin. Move away from this. You're headed in a dangerous direction. Jeremiah, oh guys, get on the right track. Stop this. This is not gonna help you. God loves you, but you're hurting yourselves. You need to move in the right direction. Then finally, because of their sin, along came that Babylonian army and everything they had, everything they'd ever taken for granted, everything they worked for, from the time that God gave a promise to Abraham, this incredible story of the most miraculous people ever to walk the face of the earth ends in the most humbling and tragic of circumstance as with hooks in their noses in the worst position they've ever been in, the harshest people to ever treat them. They were taken into captivity. 
servants of the kingdom of Babylon. It is in this moment that God speaks to Ezekiel. Now, it's important for you and I to know that because for us in our lives, there are different moments that we have to find a place of hope where we have to call alive within us optimism. If you're gonna live your life and you're gonna keep moving, then you need to believe that there is a chance that tomorrow can be better. And in the middle of this moment, I think the hardest place in your life to ever possess optimism, the hardest place in your life to ever have a source of hope is the moment in your life that you're in because of your own stupidity, where your wrong decisions got you somewhere and in the middle of that place, you're trying to ask yourself, will this ever get better? Does anyone know what I'm talking about? And in the middle of this situation comes the prophecy that we're reading from tonight. Israel says our hope is gone. We have no future. We are like old dry bones. So the Bible comes along, God comes along and in a vision, He takes this prophet Ezekiel and He takes Ezekiel in a vision to a valley that is literally full of dry bones. When they get to the valley, God says to Ezekiel, the first thing I want you to do, Ezekiel, is I'm gonna take you all through these dry bones. And right here, we've got a sermon in a moment. Because if there's one thing somebody in this room needs to understand, is that God doesn't want you to ignore your valley of dry bones. Stand on the edge of your valley of dry bones. God will call you to walk among your valley. What am I saying, John? I'm saying to you tonight that if you're here this evening and you've got a bad doctor's report or a pile of bills, if you've got something that's broken in your life, don't block the doctor's report in a cupboard. Don't shut the door on your bills and ignore it. Don't hide from what's wrong in your life. If you wanna know God's blessing, then walk amongst the valley. God's gonna call you firstly to understand the problem, see the bills. Man, if you've got a challenge financially in your life, go home from the service, take every bill, lay it out on a table and walk amongst the valley. See the problem. Our God is not limited because of the size of the problem. Do you believe that? We gotta walk amongst it. We gotta see it. The Bible says that Abraham faced the facts. If you want a birthplace of faith in your life, don't go hide and go home and hide. Go home and face the facts. If your marriage is in difficulty, go home and face the fact. Walk amongst the valley of dry bones. If something's broken in your finances, in your health, sorry, get the doctor's report and look at it. Walk amongst the valley. Then the Bible tells us that God asked Ezekiel a question. He said to Ezekiel, He said, Ezekiel, can this valley of dry bones ever live again? He's speaking straight to the problem. Speaking straight to our hearts. You know, no matter what season of life that you find, we find ourselves in, my friend, God asks us a question. The question is one of possibility. The question is, can something good still happen? The question is, can something that looks dead ever live again? God will not ignore it. He will not bypass it. He brings us to a point in our lives where we have to answer the question for ourselves. Can these bones become living people again? We have to acknowledge that there is some potential here. Can, can, can your dreams become real? Can your marriage be full of life? Can your body be healed? Can we lift our expectation? Can we, can we still believe? Can we see what is and yet consider what could be? Really what God's saying to uh, Ezekiel is He's saying, Ezekiel, even if you can't see it, you've got to acknowledge that God can do it. 
If you find yourself in a point in your life where you're doubting the ability of God, even if you can't see it, find a place where you can acknowledge that God could do it. Does anybody out there still believe that our God is able to do whatever He wants to do in any time frame He chooses to do it? Anybody still believe that the hand of the Lord is not too short that it cannot save? That our God works wonders, our God works miracles. Anybody still believe that there is no family that can't be healed? There is no marriage that can't be restored? There's no school that can't be impacted with the Gospel? There's no town that cannot be changed? There's no city that cannot rise? There's no nation that cannot know Jesus? If you believe in the power of our God, lift your voice and give that God some praise. Come on, come on, come on. Can these dry bones live? Can these dry bones live? Can these dry bones become living people again? Are you willing to acknowledge it? And I love Ezekiel, he's smart. And maybe you and I can learn from Ezekiel because Ezekiel is not yet at a point where he can believe for the good, but he is not at a point where he will exclude the potential of God. He said, God, you alone know the answer to that. You alone are the decider of that. You alone are the determiner of that. Man, let somebody get encouraged tonight that the one who decides what's gonna happen next in your life is not your NCA results, not whether you got into the course you want, not whether you got the promotion you want, not whether earth is smiling on you with favour. The only determiner of where you're gonna get to in your life and what you're gonna accomplish is what God says over you. He alone. Does anybody declare that Jesus is Lord? Well, then my Bible tells me that no matter what happens to me in my life, God can make everything work together for the good of those who love Him and accord according to His good purpose. I think you need to praise Him a little bit louder if you believe that He can make it all work together for good. Whack five people and tell them something good's about to happen to you. Something good's about to happen to you. Something good is about to happen to you. How God is able. Ezekiel is struggling, he's feeling down. And God says to him, listen, you're feeling down. Israel's feeling down. Everybody's saying that there's no tomorrow, but I've got a question for you. Can these bones live? And he said, well, God, you alone are the decider of that. Hey, how about we begin to declare that? You alone, God, decide what's happening in our nation, what's happening in our future. You alone decide where I'm going. I acknowledge you, doctor, but I'm telling you, you can tell me that my body's dying, but God is the one who decides whether I live or die. And no matter what happens, I'm going to praise Him every breath that I've got. Come on, if you're with me, give God some praise in this room. Come on, you alone, you alone, you alone. So then, then he's got, got another thing that happens to him because the Bible tells us the next God says to him, well, Ezekiel, the next thing I want you to do, listen, you've got to hear this. I want you to speak a message. I want you to speak a message. I want you to speak a prophetic message to this valley full of dry bones. I want you to speak a prophetic message. <laughs> I love this. I want you to begin to preach to a valley of dry bones. I love it, I love it, because Ezekiel's preaching a sermon to inanimate objects. He's got a valley of dry bones, and God says, they're your crowd, grab a microphone and start preaching. He's saying, don't you wait for everything to look good before you declare the potential of God. You start now declaring the potential of God. Don't 
you wait till they stop smoking before you declare that they can get saved? Start now. Don't wait until the marriage is full with tulips before you start to say that I love you. Start now. I'm preaching myself out of voice. But I reckon we need a generation that stopped just talking about our problems. Stop whining about our problems. Oh, the valley's dry. Oh, you should see the bank balance. Oh, you got no idea what this is. Oh, it's so hard to be me. Stop preaching about your problems. Stop preaching to your problems. Whack somebody, shout, preach to the problem. Preach to the problem. We need to declare a message. I'm telling you what, this is going to change your life. I really, 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 I believe it. I believe it. I believe it. Somebody needs to go home. There are people in this church, I walk up to them every single month, and I tell them, you're going to buy a house. You're going to buy a house. You're going to buy a house. And then they go home and they look at the real estate magazine, and I'm sure they see obstacles to that. But I'm not here to be limited by what the valley looks like, by how dry the bones appear. We're not determined by natural circumstances. We're preaching a message to a valley. Come on, anybody still believe that a church can preach a message to a valley of dry bones? I'm not just going to whine about my problem. I'm speaking over my problem. Hey, body, you're full of joy. Hey, head, you're full of hope. Hey, hey, heart, you're full of love. I'm not going to be bound by yesterday. I'm not limited by my pain. I'm not bound by my tomorrow, my yesterdays. I'm living for tomorrow. I'm alive for a promise. I'm going to change the world. I was preparing to preach yesterday. I was preparing to preach yesterday. And I, I gave away a whole lot of Bibles, so I took them to my office. So I had to pull out this old Bible. And this is an old Bible that I, I, I literally got a girl in my youth group whose brother is now Lord's drummer. But anyway, I grabbed this, this, I grabbed this old Bible that I got a girl in my youth group to put a custom cover on the front of it. And the reason why I did was because I was 23 years old. I was becoming a youth pastor. And I'd never been a youth pastor before, never been in pastoral ministry before. And I didn't know what I was doing. And no one gave me any training. So I was freaking the heck out. So I grabbed my pad one night when I couldn't sleep and I wrote down, I believe that God has called me. He's put His hand upon my life. He's called me to be a leader, to break down the bigger picture, to empower others, to release others. Past inadequacies will not limit me. Past failures will not hinder my tomorrows. Each day is a day of growth. I will rise and rise and rise again. I'll begin to prophesy over my life. I'm here to tell you, don't just listen to what people say about you, circumstances say about you. Preach a message to your valley. Preach a message to your future. Preach a message and declare that your God is greater, that your power is in you that Jesus is on your side. Oh, come on, if you believe it, give a great shout of praise in this place. We're going to preach a message to a valley. We're going to preach a message. We're going to preach a message. We're going to declare that we're going to rise up, that we're going to be healed, that nations will be impacted, that the church will grow, that buildings will be built, that even Florida will be impacted for the cause of Christ. How God is greater if you believe it, give me a little amen in this place. I love it, I love it, I love it. Now, young people, I know you do this sometimes at youth, so you've got to help me. Are you ready to go? Because the Bible tells us that as Ezekiel began to prophesy, as Ezekiel, he's, he's preaching a sermon. His first sermon is to dead, dry bones. No, 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 fired up young people in, 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 a, in, a, in, a, in a sweltering furnace called a hall 
at summer camp. He's preaching a message to dry bones, to dry bones, to dry bones. He doesn't have a life group. He's preaching to dry bones. He doesn't, have, he doesn't have a friend who loves Jesus. He's preaching to a valley of dry bones. And in the middle of preaching to a valley of dry bones, he starts to preach the sermon. He starts to preach the sermon. And no sooner does he start to declare, Valley of dry bones, you're gonna come to life again. I'm gonna put muscle on you, sinew on you, flesh is gonna cover you, life is gonna fill you, you will rise again. As he begins to speak the message out, he's still in his, he's still in his, he's still in his introduction. And as he's in the introduction, the Bible says that there came a rattling in the valley. Now that's a, that's a gift right there. The Bible says that they came, are you with me? The Bible says that they came in the valley, a rattling in the valley, a rattling in the valley. As he began to speak to his problem, he had no power over the problem. He didn't have the potential to cause muscle to come. You can't manufacture muscle, can you, Mike? But the truth is that even though he had no, no, I didn't mean it to you, I meant it to us. I'm just saying, preacher to preacher, I'm just saying, even if you can't make it in the happen in the natural, you can speak a message to it. I believe there's a rattling coming in your valley. I believe there's some life coming where people said there's death. I believe there's a kick in your heart, a flutter of your spirit, a seed of potential, a knowledge on the inside. Can anybody hear the rattling of bones in a valley? Can anybody hear the rushing of wind? Anybody believe that tongues of fire still fall? That God still moves? That life still comes? That healing power is possible? If you believe it, give God one great shout of praise this week. Come on, you can stand to your feet when we talk. Stand to your feet. Oh. The Bible tells us that just that hearing that, in the darkest moment, all hope is gone. They are saying, they are saying, they are saying, all hope is gone. We are old dry bones. Our hope has perished. There is no future. And God said, well, you tell them, you tell them, you tell them that I will open up, I will open up the graves of their exile." Even when your own folly gets got you there, I'll still restore blessing to you. Even when your own stupidity got you the pain that you're in, God's still gonna speak a word of promise. Anybody just love that God? Come on, can we just give him the hand? What a merciful, what a compassionate, what a gracious, what a caring God. I don't know how stupid you might feel, how idiotic you've been, how great your stubbornness or your pride, but I want you to know tonight that God loves you before you ever loved Him. He's speaking blessing over you even when you're speaking cursing over Him. I'm here to tell you that God is on your side, and if you believe it, lift Him a great praise in this place. Come on. Come on. Come on. So then they stood to their feet, a mighty army, they had no breath, had no breath. From Adam in a garden who began as a lump of clay into whom God breathed breath. To a bunch of 120 guys hiding out in an upper room. Let's call them what they are, a remnant. On the day of Pentecost, He gave them breath. 
12 Bible college dropouts, tax collectors, fishermen. One was a Pharisee. The Bible says he breathed. He breathed. And he said, receive the Holy Spirit. And in our hearts for our church at this season, I believe that God is just saying, prophesy to the four winds and say, come on, breath. Come on, breath. Come on, breath. Fill this heart. Fill this heart with joy. Fill this head with hope. Fill this life with promise. Dreams. When that breath comes, dreams come. When that breath comes, vision comes. And this year, I believe God's going to cause you to come to life. And I take you all the way through that journey to let you know that no matter how dark your night, there's a glimmer of dawn. No matter how desperate your situation, there is no reason for you to give in. That no matter how desolate the dry bones might appear, that we serve the God who gives life to the valley of dry bones. If you would like to find out more about Arise Church and Pastor John Cameron, visit arisechurch.com or connect with us on Instagram at Arise Church and at John Cameron NZ.